and, and that's another thing my parents taught me. Basically, when things are tough, Liza, that's when you grow. You know, if it's not tough, you don't grow. You know, like if it stays stagnant, if everything's hunky-dory and wonderful, there is no growth. And without growth, you're really not going to be happy. You're not going to develop as a person. and You're not going to be able to be a contributing member of society and help other people. Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, I have my new friend, Liza Peterson, on, and I want to say a little bit of how it is that we connected. We've actually never met, and Liza is friends with two of my former guests in this show, uh, Valerie and Kim, and she listened to their episodes and reconnect, you know, connected with me and we were able to talk and she'd love to share her story. And so that's how we connected. So I'm so excited to have you on, Liza. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) Uh, What a wonderful thing that you're doing here. Um, It's really super. It was important when we initially connected, but even more so now with everything going on in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always uh, different layers of grief. Um, in the moment that we're recording this is, of course, during the pandemic. And at the same time, a lot of uh, protests and a lot of people standing for justice in this um, this country and actually in others as well. So a lot of, of change and transitions going on around the world. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's definitely a lot of people probably experiencing grief through that process. But, um, yeah, (laughs) so when Liza and I spoke a few weeks ago, just to kind of get to know each other and really see what it was we were going to share in this call, we connected in different levels too. We realized we're both theater majors. So if we end up talking a little, we actually did a little, uh, warm up with our voices just right before, did we not? Yes. Toy boat. (laughs) Toy Toy, boat. We did toy boat. (laughs) Because my my tongue was kind of stuck in the uh, Spanish mode because I'd just been speaking to my to my to my husband and I was like wait wait I need to kind of reprogram my brain <laughs> right. I'm gonna be speaking English now I need to kind of reprogram my brain and my tongue so that I don't have a as thick of an accent when I'm talking so we were doing some warm up exercises before we, we started <laughs> <That's> recording <right. laughs> a little behind the scenes truth um, so Liza tell us a little bit about you where you where do you live your kids, uh, and such. Sure. Um, I live in Chappaqua, New York, um, which is actually the town I grew up in, uh, left for a while and moved back, uh, 10 years ago. I have four kids, uh, 
a daughter and three sons uh, that range in age from six to 16. So we have a full house. <laughs> a full house, busy, and the last few months of being home. Had you homeschooled before this? or We just did not homeschool before this, before. but these okay. last three months of, I guess what they call now, distance learning. Distance learning, right. But that's the parents are also. I've been a lot. Yeah. You know, my yeah. older two are teenagers, so they're pretty self-sufficient, but the younger two are first and second grade. And, you know, those little boys have needed a lot of help. And um, it's definitely been challenging. Um, right. I do have a teaching degree, but it's different when you're teaching other children as opposed oh. to teaching your own. <laughs> oh, I know that so well. I uh, there we, we, I used to own a children's gym. And I remember when I had the kids there and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so good with kids. Oh, when I'm a mom, I'm going to be so good because I can get these kids to listen and all the, the kids at the gym. And then when I had my own kids, I was like, wait, why don't they listen to me? Like, why don't the kids when I worked at the gym would listen to me, but my own children. My own children. Well, don't. it's it's it's. They're very clear that you're not their teacher and your mom. Exactly, so. you're your mom. You're the mom. I know it's so funny, but it, it definitely it's like a shock. Like when you have come from the you know education background, like you know from being a teacher in some shape or form, and then you have to teach your own kids, right? It's a little bit like of a shock. Like you're like, wait, why, why? It's oh, oh absolutely. And I feel for those <laughs> teachers, you know, because I'm not actively teaching right now, who are actively teaching as well as schooling their own children. Um, oh, one of yeah, my children um, who's in first grade, his teacher has four kids like me, and they're even younger oh. than my group. And I can't even imagine doing wow. the distance learning while um, keeping her four well, children sorry. together. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, a big undertaking there for her, for sure. And so you have the four kids, the, uh, live in the East coast and, and, and you're back in the same town you grew up with. Now, what, what's big, what other city is the town? Can, I don't think I can pronounce you. Chop, can you say Chappaqua. it again? Chappaqua. 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 It's, known, it's known pretty well because former president Clinton and Hillary Clinton live here in our town. Oh, um, it's in see, Westchester I, County, a little okay. less than an hour outside of New York city okay okay you see but i did not that's one little uh trivia question i did not know of 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 mr you know former president clinton being from there so now i know and now yes. i can't unknow yes. that so yes. thank he, you he's one of there are a few too. notables in chapelgaw but i would say uh former okay. president bill clinton well and, and there's Hillary liza clinton. peterson of course from <laughs> and liza from <laughs> why thank you kendra <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now I've got more more standout names from the town. That's, so that's right. awesome that you came back to where you grew up. Mm -hmm. And so um, we talked then a little bit beforehand again about what it is you wanted to share. And you've had a very, well, I don't know how, trying last year. A trying would be, I don't know if that's the right word, difficult, um, life-changing. Yeah, challenging, challenging, lots of words, challenging uh, last year. And so let's, let's start with um, that sharing about the your dad. So we could start there. Sure. Um, well, actually, three years ago, um, almost um, 2016, my father was diagnosed with uh, a type of cancer called mantle cell lymphoma which is a blood cancer. Um, and 
we found out that he had it uh, just three weeks after my mother had retired from a job she had worked at for over 30 something years. And it was a very um, unexpected diagnosis. He was walking around seeming very healthy, playing golf in Palm Springs with my mom. And um, shortly after his diagnosis, um, after a lot of treatment with like the top doctor, I think really in this world for this type of cancer. Um, sadly, nothing seemed to work. And from the time of diagnosis to the time he passed away, which was September of 2017, was only 18 months that we lost my dad. Um, and, you know, that was really my first first, well, really my second loss, <laughs> a major loss in the family. Um, we had lost my mom's brother couple of years before that to pancreatic cancer, but certainly mm -hmm. as my parent, it was um, a little bit of a different type of loss. And Can we I were... ask you, sure. I'm so Go sorry ahead. to interrupt you because you had, um, you just said your, your, your uncle had passed away and he's your mom's brother. So how did your, with your mom then that meant that for her two really, really close people in her life, the you know brother and then husband passed away within a very short period of time how how was your how did your mom what did you see in your mom after your uncle passed away and how she how she dealt with her grief after he passed away and then did that carry through a little bit of how she showed the grief after your dad passed yep absolutely and 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 you said which something that was very evident to me as her daughter that my mom was her only sibling, her brother who passed, mm -hmm. and then her husband did um, both pass away over a period of a couple of years. Um, but I, what I saw in her, both when she lost her brother and when she lost my father, was the incredible, uh, strong person that she was and her ability to be extremely resilient no matter what life threw her. And it threw her a lot. And Though I'd be lying to say that she didn't have her challenging, sad days, because she did, both when she lost her brother and, of course, losing my dad. She was always an inspiration to my brother and I in showing how, despite life's challenges, you rise up and you find a way to move forward and still live the best life that you can. Mm, and, beautiful. yeah, she was just tough, really tough full of, mm. of um, love and soul, but, but tough. She just, mm -hmm. she, she amazed me really in both of those situations, how she just marched on. That's beautiful. Thank you. Sorry to make that parenthesis there, but I wanted to kind of just draw on that because again, that was one of the first ways of what you also having that example of how somebody grieves, even though it's now in your adult life, right? You're seeing your mom go through the loss of her of her brother and then the loss of her husband. And again, I'm seeing that, you know, that, and then. Yeah. And both the cancer, yeah. my, my uncle had pancreatic cancer. cancer and then my dad, you know, had mantle cell lymphoma, both, you know, rare and very, well, pancreatic cancer, sadly, I think is more, more common. More common. Yeah. I know we, we share that or as well. We share that. Yeah. Um, but I think mantle cell yeah. lymphoma. Yeah. Is. Yeah. That one I had not, not heard common. before. Um, but both sadly, you know, lived my dad 18 years and 18 years, excuse me, 18 months. And my uncle, 
um, almost two years, which you know for pancreatic cancer. It's a long time. It's a phenomenal. Long time. Yeah. Yes, that was a long time for that. The um, And then the grieving process in both cases also starts the moment of diagnosis. So as a whole family, you guys have been grieving for quite a bit uh, in that period of time too, so with like your uncle's diagnosis to then his passing to then your dad's diagnosis to then his passing. So that process of grief was long to some extent. It, it was. And, you know, that period of time, it did feel like it was just like one bomb exploding mm -hmm. in our family after another. It, it, it just, you know, as I said, my mom was extremely tough but I do remember her just telling me after she went to a doc, you know, regular checkup at the doctor, because we, she, my father and I all had the same internist and just saying, you know, well, Dr. Krieger, I lost my brother and now my husband, you know, so where, you know, basically where do I go from here? Um, yeah. Wow. That is just uh, a lot, a lot. Um, now, what were some of the ways that you, all honored your dad's passing then um yeah when he died how did your honor his memory what was the way that you did it as a family well i would say the number one thing was through humor because my mm -hmm. father <laughs> and i'm looking at my parents picture right now where i'm recording this uh was incredibly funny like cracking jokes all the time like just really really funny and very good at when things were tough ironically um still finding a way to smile to laugh to break you know the tension and mm. i remember my mom saying well you know if you don't laugh you're gonna cry and of course crying <laughs> is not a problem it's, it's it's an important you know cathartic way part of it but yes, but so uh -huh. is laughing so is mm -hmm. laughing. Laughing mm -hmm. like changes your energy. And, um, you know, I think it affects your blood pressure, it affects the way that you look at things. So I feel like right to the end of my dad's life and beyond in our toughest moments, my mom and I and my brother, we still found ways to laugh. And mm -hmm. part of that was through memories of my dad, like just really funny things like he was a huge gadget guy. Like my mom would always say, you know, if one watch was good, your dad thought 20 was better. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we would go around the house sometimes and she would just point out some, you know, army clock he got that like after all his trying didn't even work, but he just thought it was like the best find possible, you know, because that's who he was, you know, and so we did a lot of that. A collector, um, kind of like a collector oh, to some extent. Oh, yeah, he yeah, was a yeah. pack rat, what, you know. What other things that he, what other, what were some of the things he liked to collect? Oh, he loved kitchen gadgets. He was a great mm -hmm. cook. So he had, you know, not just one coffee maker, but he had like the espresso maker, the cappuccino maker, you know, the panini press, <laughs> the quesadilla maker. I mean, even now as I'm going through, you know, there, there's, kitchen stuff. It's, it's incredible. It's, and I think my mom got rid of some of it. it, it they have an incredible amount of, you would have thought he was like, you know, Wolfgang Puck or Guy Fieri maybe, or something. May, like, maybe he felt he was. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe he, yeah, he so was. We had a lot of those, um, you know, a lot of different, you know, like pretty much anything you could think of. My dad had some version of it, you know, he loved, um, like, 
army type of watches. So he had that. He had a lot of like, you know, older kind of post and pre-war stuff. Um, you know, he loved to go to Costco and like pick up, you know, the latest gadget. Um, <laughs> you know, so it was it was something both that made him very lovable, but also like annoyed my mom. Of course, because it's like, yeah, you'd find a new gadget. How many watches can you, you know, could you oh, need yeah. in a home? Because my mom was many? very no. uh, meticulous and neat, and my father not so much. So she just That's... was like, his name was Donnie, Donald. She'd be like, Donnie, <laughs> not for any. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need this stuff. Oh man, wow. But I'm sure that some of those times, I'm sure she'd probably be grateful that you guys did have that he did have more than one of something because if something did break, at least you knew you could find a second yeah. of that somewhere in the house. That's awesome. Now, what um were some of the ways in which you grew up in like in terms of like your spiritual background or beliefs around death? Well, I was raised uh, Jewish, very, very reformed, um, but I did um, at 13 have what you call a bat mitzvah, which is considered in the Jewish religion a coming of age. And though I don't really think we talked that much about death until my uncle passed away, and at that point, you know, I was already uh, an adult. Um, you know, my parents just always felt like if you lived a good life, if you did your part, then, you know, wherever you went afterwards, you were rewarded. Um, and, you know, in that type of thinking, they really just continued to raise my brother and I, you know, about paying it forward, about being a good person, about doing mm. the best that you can. And in life, that's the only thing you can do is show up and do your best. So, um, you know, we didn't, as I said, we didn't really talk, even though it was Jewish, we didn't really talk that much about religious beliefs mm -hmm. um to my parents you didn't attend uh, growing up you didn't attend synagogue or things we, like that we did go and we did okay. i did do the bat mitzvah through the synagogue mm -hmm. which ironically okay. is across the street from where i live now yeah. <laughs> um but to me if i was to think about the most important thing my parents would say in regards mm -hmm. to judaism was family that like every mm -hmm. occasion whether it was passover or rosh hashanah which is the Jewish New Year, it was really for them about our family being together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, though and that's huge in the Jewish faith. That's huge in the Jewish community of what I've, I've seen in a lot of my Jewish friends uh, is that that aspect of community and that cultural component of it of, with every religion has some certain things that become more cultural sometimes, right? Those yes. kind of, uh, and uh, that aspect of family getting together, you know, for the is it Sab Sabbath, is that correct? On sa Saturday evenings? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes, Sabbath? Yes. Yeah, things like that. And yeah. so it's all about, you know, family and stuff. So that's a, that's a, a beautiful thing to, to carry on um, in your life. And then so the family unit and you guys were definitely really close. What, how far did your parents live from you? Did they also live in the same town? Um, no, they moved from this town when I started NYU in college. Uh, they mm -hmm. lived in uh, Brookfield, Connecticut, uh, which was about just 45 minutes from where I live now. So they were close um, and they were here a lot. <laughs> Very mm -hmm. active um, parents and grandparents. Um, as I said, that if that theme has always run through my entire life for my family is being close family. to family. 
Yeah, Absolutely. and being there That's for each good. other and showing up for each other no matter what and being very tolerant. That's beautiful. And that's a beautiful legacy to leave behind to your kids and then for them to continue is that aspect of family, of the family unit being so yeah, important. Yeah. And very it's vital so, right now with everything going on. Oh, yes. Yes. Tolerance, absolutely. respect yes. for others and their point of view, even when you don't necessarily don't, agree yeah, with them. Yeah. So important. Now with when your mom then became a widow, um, when your dad passed away, then how often would you guys be able to see her and um, how was that aspect of being able to be there for her and with her during that process of her own grief? And then we'll uh, move to the second part of this grieving journey. Absolutely. Uh, I would say that I saw her more because prior, you know, right before, you know, prior to my dad's illness, she was obviously taking care of him and always with him. So you know, we weren't able to see her that much. And then prior to my dad being sick, it was my father who was extremely involved coming down here because my mom was working full time. But mm. when my dad died, we would see her a lot. She actually came here two days a week to help me with my kids, like every week. And she spent a lot of time with us and a lot of time with my children, like helping me carpool them. And like, she made one night pizza night and one night fries night at McDonald's. Like, wait, fries, wait, fries night. And what else? Wait, no oh, other, no, just well, fries night. Well, we didn't just eat fries. Kendra. <laughs> I, I yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Cause if not, my kids would want to move over to your home. Yeah, if that's the case, if fries. there's a fries but, night like, at your try home. to come up with something to like, <laughs> help my husband and I like and make it special. So yeah, they have other things besides fries, but I think Okay, okay. Think Just Tuesday making sure. Night and Thursday night was fries night. And love it. Love it. She really um took her her grief and sadness and threw it into like spending more quality time with my children. And it it was really beautiful because it was also at a time, especially my older kids were getting older. So they really could, you know, value that time with my mom. And, you know, I, I knew it was like a good distraction. Um, mm -hmm. And it was a ginormous help to me because my dad was so helpful to me before he got sick. And then the 18 months that he was ill, I really was like a one man band. <laughs> so it mm -hmm. was really, really tough, but it really didn't, you know, I always say she could have really, my mom and rightfully so wallowed in her grief and just stayed home and put her head, you know, in bed and put the covers over her face. But she really didn't do that very often and really threw herself into helping me and going back to what I just said earlier, which is to my parents, family was everything. And she adored my children as I know she did me and my brother. So she just put that energy towards us. It's so, what you just brought up was so interesting and it's something I have heard before in, in, um, in other grieving, you know, seminars or things like that, grief seminars regarding, of course, the diverse ways in which people grieve and the people that are doers, which it looks like your mom was a doer. Oh, she definitely was a doer. <laughs> yes. They are, they, they, uh, thrive in doing. And so for them, and that's a, one of the ways that they still grieve, but by doing. So for somebody that is a doer to all of a sudden be like, Oh no, let me just stay home and, you know, and cry all day under the covers is not their way of grieving. Cause 
that is just, you know, so for her helping you going to you, that was still her way of being able to still grieve, even if she was doing something. Um, some people go back straight to work sometimes too, and that actually even helps them. It's hard for them to just stop things completely. So it's, it's, uh, it's good to have those perspectives and to hear of the different ways people grieve so that it doesn't, uh, especially in a family unit in which there's so different ways in which it could look like, right? It doesn't cut, cut, uh, uh, kind of catch somebody off guard as to wait, why is she like busy, busy, busy? Maybe she's not really feeling the emotions. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? When it may be. <laughs> she was a doer. She was definitely right. like, if you wanted to get something done, Linda Warner was your girl. I mean, she just, she didn't, she didn't kid around. And that's why there was always that dichotomy between her and my father, that my father was a pack rat and bought every little gadget that was out there. And she was very minimalist and like clean right. and neat and organized. Um, yeah. The contrast, the contrast. Yeah, and no, so absolutely. now that you, yeah. And now that you're saying you're, you just, uh, right now that you said the word was, that Linda Warner was. So um, if you want to um, explain now what um, what happened then afterwards and you're in the in last last year. Well, I'll be totally frank, you know, just when I thought that our family had sustained enough for quite a while or hopefully for a lifetime, um, back in October, I was at home alone. My kids were in school when life was a little more normal. And I had received a text from one of my mom's neighbors that my mom had been in an accident and they didn't have more information, but they gave me another neighbor to call. And it was also sent to my brother. And my brother, who's a school teacher, was in his classroom and he called the neighbor and eventually got led to uh, one of the sergeants in the town of Brookville, Connecticut, where my mom lived. And Relatively quickly, we had found out that my mother was hit by a car when she was walking and had passed away uh, basically instantly. And, um, you know, my brother was told he was the one that had to tell me. Um, and as I said, there was nobody here and it was instantaneous. I um I know that this being the most recent um loss that you've had and how it happened is a very hard one to talk about and right now when you mentioned of you being alone when you received the news I know we briefly talked about that when the two of us talked and mm -hmm. how it feels to be alone and receiving that news and I could just feel the energy right in that moment in the our conversation yeah I think I explained to you that I mean I remember exactly where I was um, in my kitchen when my brother called me and he simply just said mom is gone and I do remember screaming and we live at a condominium complex and I was like sure the whole neighborhood heard me um you know, and then you're just stunned. You just mm -hmm. don't even, you don't even, you know, my kids were at school, my husband was at work in the city. 
you just you don't even know what to do. <laughs> you know where to begin. Yeah, like where to begin. Like so, where did you be? Did you call your husband at work at that moment? Of course, the kids are at school. It's not like you're gonna yeah. suddenly. Yeah, well, I tried to reach my husband and, a- and I couldn't get a hold of him. I kept calling him and calling him and calling him, and it was strange because he's usually pretty reachable. And then um, at the time, one of my yoga teachers uh, was just here and had left. And I tried, Angela is her name, and I tried to get Angela and I couldn't get her. So then I texted her and quickly told her what happened. And then me, the next thing I did was to call a family friend who's a hairdresser right in town who was super close to my mom at her shop. And she ended up sending over her niece, who I knew. Um, and who knew my mom, who was one of those people that was like really, really good in an emergency, Jessica. So Jessica just took control. Like she called the police, she called the hospital, like she, and then while she was doing that, Angela, thank God, came back with her two little doggies, um, you know, to be there for me. And then I kept calling my husband and it took a very long time to get in touch with him. It turned out after the fact he was walking like on his lunch hour, (laughs) doing the right thing, but just not reachable. I think he had turned off his phone or something. So it took me a while to get in touch with him. But of course I eventually did. And he came home, you know, as soon as he could being in the city. The fact that you reached out, that you knew you needed to have somebody with you, and that the fact that then from there somebody called somebody else that was good with emergencies, like the whole tribe, you know, that whole aspect of it takes a village component. And really, you have that sense of community just with what you mentioned of all these different friends. And and that that is just beautiful. I got... I got uh, chills just thinking of that support that you were able to reach out to it's vital Kendra and I can tell you it's it's the that type of support over these last couple of years has meant everything to me and has been like how I've been able to survive because that yoga teacher Angela Mm -hmm. you know in addition to of course my wonderful family um she was there when my dad was sick. She was on the phone with me when my dad was dying, when I had to go to the hospital to say goodbye to him. So it was really fitting in a way that yeah. I didn't know it, but she was with me doing yoga when my mom was killed. But we didn't know we, when we put all the timelines together, we didn't know that at the time. And she did come back and she stood there while I told every one of my kids what happened too. So that community has been vital. Wow. Now, how, how did that work that day in which, so how early in the day was that? And then by the time you picked up the kids, I'm sure they have different schedules of pickup times because of their ages. Um, how, how did, did somebody else pick them up? Did you go pick them up? Did your husband go? How did that work um, out? So, I'm sorry. Well, I'm a, you know, our brains as theater people, I need to see the movie in my head. So yeah, <laughs> the questions well, I, I ask is, if you remember mom, any of it. Yeah. around 10, 10 something in the morning. So it was very uh-huh. early, but I didn't find out until about 1231 o'clock. And my older kids come home pretty early because middle school, the high bus? school. Do they just uh, come in the school every, bus? Everyone from the bus. Yeah. Okay. So my husband okay. wasn't even home yet when my older kids came home. And mm. that's why I was so grateful for Angela and Jessica was there as well. The one who really thought really quick on her feet. Mm-hmm. And we told the older kids first, and that was brutal. I can't, it, that's one of the things too, because you're navigating your own grief and then also having to find ways of 
guiding your children through theirs and they've just gone through the passing of your dad of their grandfather and yeah. then somebody and it's this is not just this is not people that they would just see in the summers this is your their grandparents were people that were part of their daily li- weekly life to some extent and so mm-hmm. that's a huge 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 um Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I can tell you that my mother was here the night before driving them around. So they had oh, literally seen my mom the night before. Her. So Oh, surreal. That is just like unreal. So I don't Were know. They like I couldn't shock. register. Oh, God, yes. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Like the registering that you just saw them. What do you mean? Like in the process of, especially because with the grandfather, they had seen the process of the illness. But mm-hmm. with grandma. It was oh. instant. It was like. We saw her the night before we went to school, we came home and she had passed away. I mean, like they, they knew something was up though, the older kids, because, you know, they saw Angela's car, they saw Jessica's car. Um, my husband had reached out to my daughter. She was a dancer and she had danced that day and said something like he was coming home. And my daughter already had a feeling that something was bad because she didn't understand why my husband was coming home, but she didn't mm. really know. Um, my son, Charlie was completely, you know, just stunned. He had had a beautiful relationship with my mom, as did my daughter. So, you know, I, I remember thinking in that moment, like, is it worse my receiving this news or is it worse for me to watch having to tell my children and their reaction? Like in that moment, I think I was stunned. So seeing their reactions was even more heartbreaking to me on that particular day. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, not long after that, um, you know, my husband came home, thank God. And then the little ones came home and, you know, they're being only first and second grade, um, you know, they understood to a degree and they were super close to my mom and they had seen her the night before, you know, they were very upset, but, you know, age appropriately so, and not really, you know, I'd say the older one understood it a little more than the younger one, but you know, that was equally as painful to watch. Yes. No, that is just so much. Now, what um, what happened then after that? Did your brother lived all in Long Connecticut, Island. in Long Island. So he was like two hours away. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, again, it was really all kind of frantic. You know, I didn't know if I was going to have to go identify my mom. It seemed that way for a while. Then thankfully they said I didn't have to do that. But then um, we um, left the kids with with my friend Donna and Jessica and my husband and I, actually the older kids wanted to come with me. We had, again, something horrifically painful. I had to drive up to the police station by my mom's house and get her personal belongings that were on her at the time of the accident. <laughs> And I can tell you that that was probably one of the most painful moments of this journey because the police station is in the rec department by the rec department where every year the town of Brookfield would do an Easter egg hunt. And my parents and I would take our kids to that Easter egg hunt because um, though I was raised Jewish, um, I myself am Christian and I'm raising my children Christian. So my parents, as they were amazing, they, they embraced that. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I'm getting my mom's belongings as I'm coming out of this police station in total shock. And I just remember looking up at that field and that's when my husband saw me just lose it. Like mm-hmm. I just was, all I could see was the images of both of my 
wonderful parents on that field with my kids. And mm -hmm. here I was walking out of a police station knowing that I had lost them both now. And it was brutal. You know, the, the police officer gave me her license, her cell phone, and the car key, which was beat to heck um, because she had it on in the in accident. Pocket. Yeah. And, you know, and then we drove towards her house because she had parked her car down at the bottom of this hill to then start walking. So we had to move her car back to her house. So my husband- And this had, is just the day after, this is the day after? The day it happened. No, the day it happened. Oh, the same day, the same, same day. day. The same day. Oh, yeah, that's I, so much in one day. Yeah, so my husband had to drive my mom's car up the hill while I stayed at her house with my older kids. And I can tell you also just walking into her house for the first time and just seeing her purse on the table, her clothes out that she was going to change into after her walk, you know, was just, it brought, that also got me because I was, I looked at my husband and I was like, she thought she was going back. She thought she was right. just taking a walk. And that's I was just even imagining even dishes, like, you know, like breakfast dishes. Well, probably laundry. On the, you know, she had laundry. Or laundry. Her bed was stripped. She had um, a laundry basket um, in her room with her clothes that, you know, she hadn't had a chance to put away. And it was surreal, Kendra. It just. Oh, gosh, Liza. And th thank you for, for sharing this. And I know that it's, it's hard to share but at the same time uh I know that you know because if not you would have not accepted to be doing this podcast that it's also part of that process of grieving that the more we share uh it also help us helps us in our own grieving process and you know that you're also helping others as they're listening to this um absolutely in their own journey so I just I'm just so grateful to you uh, to share this as hard as it is and um, going through all these details. Um. I appreciate it. And I will tell you, you know, as you had asked me about my mom, as I had said to you, she was one of the toughest women I ever met. And she went through so much losing her brother and her husband mm -hmm. that in those moments, especially those initial moments, I just kept saying, I'm Linda Warner's daughter. And if she was that tough <laughs> and that strong and that resilient, then that lies within me as well. And that's that's mm. the only thing I could say in those special oh. moments. I just kept trying to muster up my mother. Love that. I love you're like I'm just gonna channel her. I, I'm her daughter. If she could do it, I can do it. You're like I can do it. I can do this. <laughs> the what? I figure what she's half of my DNA, right? I'm a absolutely. Of so whatever chutzpahs we would say in the Jewish religion she had, I had as well. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, what were some of the ways that then you pay, you know, honored then your, your mom's passing then after that you, with your dad, then it was a lot of humor. All of you guys, you know, talking about it. What are some of the ways that you and your brother and the kids um, remember your mom? As, right. Aside from all these things of her strength and her resilience and what are some of the ways you honor her memory? And I know it's still fresh and with everything now yeah, of not being able to just, travel. Just I'm a few months, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, she was also very funny, um, too. So, you know, we would remember a lot of her expressions and, you know, I think a lot about things she said to me and there's something actually that I was telling Val the other day, um, which was, she always said to me that life is for the living. And she said it to me um, at the one year anniversary about of my dad's passing in the Jewish religion, you do something called an unveiling, which is when you put the footstone into the grave. And my mom, you know, had said to me like, you know, well, this is the time to me and my brother, like you don't stop grieving, you never stop grieving, but this is the time daddy would want you to continue on with your life. And that's when she said life is for the living. And I kept telling myself that and telling that to my kids and my brother Ross and I would talk about that, that mom always said life, life is for the living. And, and so my brother and I in particular would talk a lot about, you know, things our mom had told us, like he shared with me some conversations that they had had over the last two years um, about where she was with everything, you know, that I wasn't necessarily privy to at the time because mm. I think she figured I had four kids. My brother has two <laughs> and he's a guy, I don't know. She told him more stuff at that time. She didn't want to overwhelm me. And mm. we would talk a lot about those things. And what I noticed with my children, particularly my, well, all of them actually, but particularly my older kids would talk about naturally uh, memories of being with my mom, particularly because she drove them around so much. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. they called her nanny. Nanny would take us to saxophone and then we'd go to ice cream. Or nanny said this about this house or this landmark or got lost here, you know? And (laughs) as we would like go back and forth to her house, like I would slowly bring home pictures of like each kid with my mom or my dad or both. Mm -hmm. And everybody wanted to like put up pictures because pictures is a big thing in our family. Um, because, you know, at, when you get to the point of people passing, what I've realized mm-hmm. is what they those. the memories, yeah. the memories, you yes. know, that if yeah. you're taking like DVDs or video and home movies, you get to still hear their voice, pictures, yes. you know, those are the things that are the most meaningful. Um, and those Absolutely. are the things that stay with you forever. Especially because they trigger them. They, so it's not the actual picture itself, but it's the fact that that picture is holding that memory of, you know, of that moment. And so it, it triggers that memory back again. And, and so you can relive it. So, um, so yeah, that's so important. You're so right. Oh yeah. When the Facebook, you're, you're so right about the Facebook memories when they come up. Oh my gosh. And when they come up unexpectedly, now, how's that happened to you in the past oh, year? Oh, in fact, oh. recently uh, a memory came up, and when I looked at the date, I it was three years ago. I realized that at that time mm. I had both of my parents. My dad was still alive, mm. and my mom was still alive. And I remember saying to one of my healer friends, "Like, I can't believe that three, you know, like three years ago, I still had both of them." And it really highlighted mm-hmm. to me how much I have been through. Our family has been through in the last couple of years in a very short period of time. Um, Changes in a twinkle of an eye, right? Like it's just like so quickly it can change. Absolutely. So quickly. Now in that, in this process, because you talk very eloquently and it's, you can know through your words of how much faith you have. Um, So what are some of those things that you hold on to, to help you in this grieving process? 
of course, and your mom's mantra, basically, of life is for the living, you saying that to yourself and to the kids just kind of lets you, allows you to basically put one foot forward every day in your life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what other things do you hold on to to allow you to help you in this grieving process? Well, of course, as I've already said, you know, the importance of family, you know, staying mm -hmm. close um, with my brother and he has two children and um, my father's brother is still alive with his wife. Um, you know, so continuing on um, as a family, you know, to the best of our ability. And then, you know, it, it, yeah, you and I talked about this too. It, for me personally, it goes deeper. Um, in the last couple of years since I lost my dad, I've always been a person of faith. Um, you know, as I sort of quickly said, I changed my religion mm -hmm. when I started NYU. So I have a lot of faith, but that faith also became very spiritual. Um, when I started the practice of yoga around the time my dad was very sick. And within that, um, and it's something that I've also shared with Val recently, is, is really that deep spiritual connection of knowing that though my parents are not here in the physical sense, they are still within me and they're still with me. And I have seen some definite signs over these last couple of years that, you know, for my dad and then, you know, more recently with my mom, that it's like, they're still there, you know, like softly on my shoulder and my soul, like they're still there. They're, you know, I long and miss them in the physical sense, like crazy and nothing, nothing takes the place of that. But that spiritual connection is there. And the more, you know, that I kind of do the work spiritually, yoga, all the things I've tried to do, you know, dance, singing, um, to connect, that has really helped me know that though they've left the earth in the physical sense, they're here. And, you know, there's also like my mom always used to joke my fourth child, which I think she was like in awe that I had a fourth child. My little boy, Thomas, looks like my mom, like in a boy, in a, mm. you know, as a boy. And she would always say, everybody says Thomas looks like me. Well, Thomas, I look in Thomas's eyes and I do see my mom. And <laughs> one of my dad's friends um, just recently commented on Facebook on one of my posts and said, you have your dad's smile. And, mm. you know, again, that warmed my heart because that's still there, right? That, mm -hmm. that's, that, that's like a nod from my dad <laughs> that, that yes. he's still here through Thomas right my mom you, is still here and you you and then your smile right you your own, you said you you have the uh, he, your your dad's friend was saying that you have your dad's smile yes yes yes, yes. and you know what yes. it brought me back actually to the day that my the day before actually my dad passed away but when i went to say goodbye to him it made me think about the nurse that I saw that day. She gave me like a really big hug and she said, you know, it's nice to meet you, Liza. I'm so sorry that I'm meeting you under these circumstances. And she looked me in the face and she said, you look just like your father. Mm. So when this friend in the last couple of days said I had my dad smile, you know, it, it reminded me of that very difficult but cherished moment to hear that, like in the last mm -hmm. moments of his life, that this nurse who took care of him at the end of his life noticed right away that I looked like my dad. So mm -hmm. it's just an extension of knowing that that eternal love is still there. So and yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then just like you said, seeing your mom in Thomas's eyes and it's just a reminder that they're with you. And um and again, like if you've seen, you know, felt or seen signs through these years that have just brought you comfort, of course, all that 
helps in that healing process and um, just makes you still feel connected to them. Well, yeah, I think I told you about the morning doves. I, I thought that I told you about that, but no, no, no. Oh, I don't, okay, no, you did tell me about the morning doves. No. Okay. No, so, and anyway, you didn't tell the uh, the oh, audience. No, know, but in the last couple may, of weeks, I know sometimes you, know, you forget. I'm like, who did I tell that? Did I tell it to you? Did I tell in the no. last couple of weeks? You know, obviously with um, you know Mother's Day and Father's Day is coming up, and my dad would have just had a birthday. I've been thinking so much and missing my parents. And one day, my husband came in and he was like, you know, there's a nest that's forming outside our condo, and I was like, oh, really? And he said there are two birds that are in that nest, mm. and he said they look very unusual and he looked them up and he said they're called morning doves and oh. you know as in morning not morning in the morning but yes. morning yes. morning and he looked it up and if you look it up it's it's very much like a sign of people who've passed of showing you they're oh. still there of strength of love and i was like it's my parents <laughs> people may think i'm crazy but it's my parents it's my parents yeah. like yeah. giving me a nod telling me that they are still there that they are still present mm -hmm. with our family with our kids um they're just showing up a different way <laughs> yeah it's just signs of in the in in nature that just make you feel connected in that moment whether whether it's that we want to interpret it that way or it is them like giving us those little messages. I am truly a believer in that, how much nature plays around a part in our healing um, as well in, in our grieving, you know, journey and our morning journey, morning, like the morning doves. That's morning doves. I'm not, you just have to be open doves. to it, you know, because I always yes, think like yeah. my whole life there's probably been signs, but if I wasn't paying attention, I missed Looking. it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to be we have to be open. Now, what are some of the things that you feel that have been the most impactful in your growth or what are some of the ways in which you've grown in this past year or let's include the couple of years too with uh, I guess it would be 3 years including your from your uncle's dad. passing to then your dad well, longer from my uncle, but from my father yes it would be for your dad from your dad okay so um, in these years how what is and, and what are things that you actually feel grateful for in this process as hard as it's been yeah you know it's so interesting because initially when i saw grief and gratitude um i was like how do you put those two together like mm -hmm. how can mm -hmm. you have both but as time has gone on, I've realized that the more you loved a person when they passed, the bigger the grief. And the bigger the grief and the bigger the love, the bigger the gratitude is. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's it's almost impossible for me to think about my wonderful parents within my grief and my sorrow of missing them to and not feel gratitude because yes. they were amazing. I, I literally could not have asked for better parents who showed up for me, who nurtured me, who were there for me every step of the way, who taught my brother and I what we needed to know, that did good in the world, that left people better than when they left them, you know, in all aspects of their lives. Both of them are really what I would call people who paid it forward. And in knowing that, I feel I do feel even in all this sorrow and grief and difficult, difficult challenges that myself and my family have had over the last couple of years, I, I do have gratitude because not everybody had a Linda and Don Warner in their life who was their parent, who loved them, who did. My father equally was amazing. He he did everything for me, for my kids, 
for everybody. He just was a real, what people would say, your dad was just a really good guy. And my mom too, you know, she talk about smile. She had a beautiful smile. Mm. And, you know, it's through this process, honestly, that I feel that I have grown the most as a human being, you know, it, it, this, all of this grief has have brought me to the practice of yoga. And yoga has taught me so much about myself and about life and a lot of these healing arts like Reiki. I, I love Reiki. In fact, I got certified for a couple levels of Reiki so I could help others and, my, and myself with it. But I really feel in my soul that a lot of the things that have gone on with me internally and within my own life would not have necessarily happened if these tragedies hadn't happened to me, you know? And those are the moments where you grow, you know? For somebody else, yes. it may not be losing somebody, but, um, but it's though when things are challenging, and, and that's another thing my parents taught me. Basically, when things are tough, Liza, that's when you grow. You know, if it's not tough, you don't grow. You know, like if it stays stagnant, if everything's hunky-dory and wonderful, there is no growth. And without growth, you're really not going to be happy and you're not going to develop as a person and you're not going to be able to be a contributing member of society and help other people. So you know, it's, it's it, just like grief and gratitude, you know, though they do go hand in hand, they're so different. So are these experiences, you know, coming out of those experiences, realizing that I have grown so much as a person, you know, probably more in the last three years than I did a lot of the years of my adult life. And, mm, that you know, is... I, I, I tell you, Kundra, I often think to myself, you know, like, I hope, I hope my parents are seeing this because <laughs> they don't know they did a really good job. <laughs> oh, well, you have, that's the thing. You have to be proud of you, you, you know what I mean? It's like, yes, you're like, you're hoping we're always kind of seeking as a child. Like, I hope my parents are proud of me. You know what I mean? I hope they're proud of who, who I've become because well, at the same time, parents, it's their, right? So I I'm, feel like we could do it on yes. the other side too. Which yes, is I absolutely believe that. We, we want our children, right? I want to speak for you, but I'm assuming you want your children to grow up and be happy and healthy and yes. citizens. Members so of society, yes, and paying it forward. And th like what you just said, the fact that you decided to choose to share the story here as a way of paying it forward, just like what they taught you. And you, we started, you know, this podcast talking about that um, is huge. You're already following their legacy because legacy is all about what we've learned and what continues to carry on. And then you teaching your kids also how to live their lives. And as an example of, you know, by you being you, right. And following uh, all these learnings that you've had through your grief process. And then the person you're becoming paying it forward, that creates a ripple effect on how your children will be. And therefore, and they're, and you know, and they're on. So that legacy lives on. So your parents yeah, and absolutely. legacy keeps yeah. on going. And it's tested my kids, you know, as you've said, they've, they've had a lot of hits recently too. And I feel like, you know, these, these, these ups and downs in life definitely forever change you and test you as an individual. But ultimately, if you let yourself evolve and learn from the experiences and get support where you need it, because we all need it, um, you can't, but not grow. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. You know, it's, um, it's back again, even how we started this conversation. We talked about the difficult times we're experiencing as a world uh, in the world. And God, what is it? God, God my dad would say, God darn it. What is that? You know, that, that kind of um, little like old, old expression like that, you know, 
how could we not grow from this as a humanity too? You know, it's like when you go through hard things, you have to grow. If you're not, then it really went for a waste. You know, all that yeah, and I, hardship and I was a waste. Yeah, you don't ever want to think, and it doesn't have to always be as difficult as, you know, what I've been through with losing parents and you've been through. But if any life challenge, you can either, like I said, go go against it and not grow from it, not do good from it, not change, not evolve. Or you can say, this, this is difficult. This is terrible at times. This is painful. But man, I'm going to use this to grow. I'm going to use this to do better. I'm going to use this to help other people. So when they're sitting or if they're sitting where I am, you know, maybe I'll say something or do something that will, you know, potentially change the course of, you know, their experience. Oh, wow. 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 Thank you so much, Liza. Thank This you. was just so beautiful. And, and being, you know, with you getting to know you because of this, po- I, I would not know you had it not been for this podcast, because mm-hmm. this podcast did, did connect us. Um, had you not listened to it, right, of the interview yes. of Val, yeah. and, and yeah, Val you and would have not reached out, and now we're connected. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here we are connected through this, and now it's, a rip, again, a ripple effect of change, and I appreciate you so much and the time and you sharing so many pieces of information. I was actually like taking notes of some of these little, you know, life is for the living. You don't think I'm like, oh, wow, this is a good one. I'm, ta- I'm taking notes. That honors my parents. It honors my mom, you know, who said that to me when my dad passed. And that would be like the one other thing I would say is having seen my mom go through that grieving process and having that been be so recent and then losing her, it was able yeah. to look at how she handled it and it, try to emulate it, you know, try to be her daughter, yeah. try to not put pressure on myself, but to know how she handled it. She did move forward. She did tell herself life is for the living. She did get up every day mm-hmm. and just do the best she could and continue to contribute despite, you know, great loss and tragedy. Yeah. You learn from example. She, you know, she really taught you by example. So um, that is did, beautiful. Yeah. They both did, yes. Thank you so much again, Liza. Thank you, Kendra. And, uh, this was such a pleasure. I, and I'm honored to do this for you. Thank you so much. That Thank you again. No problem. Take good care. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.